My name is William Del Pilar, and this is Sports Grumblings. Politically, I'm known as a conservative Latino, but with my good friend Big John, we are fantasy sports pioneers. Big Brother John, how are you? I'm doing fine tonight, William. How are you? I'm actually, I have great news, actually. What's that? You know, uh, uh, we don't have children, so our dogs are our best friends, and my dog is cancer-free. Oh, that's great news. Yeah, he had this little bump under his lip there. And, and thank God my wife kind of like took notice, mm. took him in and boom, cancer. And then, then worse news, aggressive cancer. Oh. I'm like, oh, oh, exactly. We lost our last dog to cancer. So I was really, uh, he's all I had, you know. And he's like the, 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 the weirdest, most insecure, yet most loyal dog. In fact, you can't see him, but he's like sitting next to me here because <laughs> everybody else is, is out. And, right. And I'm working late. But uh, uh, so I'm really happy about that. Uh, he's a Labrador Black Lab. I named him Tank. You know, so he doesn't look like a tank, though. <laughs> more like a chump, you know, more like a <laughs> runaway. <laughs> but anyway, we got a pretty good show. It's going to be a bit of a fun show. Some okay. serious issues, but, it, but, but, but it's not that serious anymore because Brian Robinson Jr. came out OK. Looks like he's going to be OK. So, right. so we're going to talk a little bit about that. But then we're going to talk about series having a lot of money. You know, doing good initially, then whack, getting the axe. Right. You're fired. You know? And then we're going <laughs> right. to end it on a serious note. But I've always felt it's good to be honest. In my previous incarnation in, in the fantasy sports world, uh, I'm proud to say I did have one of the top companies in the industry. And I was always honest with our audience. And, and I always felt that did good stuff. It always got, got never sympathy. We did it. We just felt being honest with the audience was always a good thing to do. So we're going to talk about a little honesty, some of the things we're doing here, as well, specifically one thing we're doing at Sports Grumblings, and, and the pushback. Well, not the pushback, the blackball we're getting mm-hmm. out of it. So so I'll let you lead it off here since I've been battling now for a couple of minutes. Big John, talk to me a little bit about Brian Robinson Jr. We know he was shot in a carjacking, went through surgery. He, he He's come out of surgery. Right. And understand the rules of the nfl better than i so he's going to be held out for what about a month worth of games yeah so he got put on the nfi list which stands for non-football related injury list um so he'll be out at least four weeks is what i'm hearing maybe a little bit longer but he's very lucky young man so let's just back up half a step first of all there was uh he's a rookie and there was strong strong indications that he was going to be the top running back in the Washington backfield. Um, Antonio Gibson was the presumable veteran there who was the RB1. Uh, but a lot of the beat writers and people who just saw them in camp every day said, Meh, Gibson is not really winning the favor of Rivera. So a lot of people thought that if nothing else, he would get a uh, meeting Robinson would get a fair shot at being uh, the top runner out of that committee because there's also JD McKissick in there. Um, but you know, being in the DC area can be full of, uh, danger. And basically he, it was an attempted carjacking. He got shot. Um, now from my understanding, one shot went through his knee and from what I understand, it went through his knee, but it didn't do any serious damage, which if you think of the physics of that must be like a one in a million shot, you know, well, hold uh, on, hold on. How's he gonna miss four games? And in the movies, when it's a through and through, they're fighting, they're carrying. It's like nothing's happened. Yeah, like there's no such thing as blood loss apparently in the movies or <laughs> or pain or anything like that. But uh, you're right. But he's very fortunate in yes. in, the, in a lot of fronts. You know, um, he was he had I guess the misfortune of getting carjacked, but uh, given that he was carjacked, he probably came out basically as best as one could hope for right yeah i agree and 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 i'm sorry folks but the sailor me comes out because he's okay and he yeah the first thing i'm thinking of in terms of what we were just talking about i believe it was eddie murphy had a skit you ever see a guy get shot i saw a guy get shot in the arm and he's just screaming and i'm right. like yeah i have too and that is true I mean, how many times you just get a little strain in our muscle and it's the end of the world? Yeah. So uh, uh, I'm poking fun more at the movies, not at Brian right, Robinson. Right, 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 right. But uh, you're right. He, he he did come on. He was having a great camp. Uh, it, getting back to business, the business of football, I mean, he literally destroyed many fantasy rosters who had drafted him. And, right. and it, you always get the guys who always want to. To, to me, it's like, 
dude, you're not going to get laid by her. Stop playing it out. Like, you know, he's a human being. He's not a fantasy asset. And I'm like, you're right. We all know that. But at the end of the day, people don't care. They don't right. know him. They're not going to relate to him. He's a fantasy asset. That's just how the world works. Those people, they just don't say anything. So this guy coming out, you know, acting all high and mighty, you know, it, it just bugs me. It's like there was nobody. I mean, there's always the outliers. But 95% of, 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 of fantasy players, you know, they, they were like, okay, let's make sure he's okay. You know, but, and right. there's always with the outliers, there's always that idiot, you know, on Twitter who does say something stupid. White knight. I, I don't follow. What's that? That's what they're called. They're called white knights. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. What's that signify? Well, it's, it goes back to the days of chivalry. You know, the white knight defending right, right. the damsel. Oh, the guys, the guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I'm trying to think of a good, uh, a funny idiot name to come up for them. Uh, you know, the guy who's always trying to get laid but can never get laid. You know, you know those guys are more, they, they're the ones with women, they're the friends. <laughs> well yeah but, well typically on twitter i mean aside from like i know what you're talking about because i think on our twitter account i read uh the sports grumblings uh twitter account at sports grumbling no s they wouldn't give us enough characters but um there was one guy who said let's now celebrate the most valuable person of any fantasy team your spouse and i was like oh, really? I, I, I have to hear this nonsense you know come on man up a little bit uh well, you know I, like you know i get it. and before that i actually had retweeted one of those guys because i'm like thinking okay it's a politically correct thing to do retweet it's not that i don't care about brian robinson i don't know him i'm glad he's okay yeah. i'm glad he's not hurt i'm glad he's not a murder statistic right uh, and once i realized and learned that i just moved on because i don't have yeah. a connection i'm not trying to sound coarse but that's how most people looked at it you know uh, i mean yeah like i mean literally like if anything if anything the only people who cared were the ones who drafted him ahead of antonio gibson that's it <laughs> and, and like you know the guys who always you know in every fantasy league william we don't talk about this enough in every fantasy league there's somebody who thinks he's a real nfl gm so his his main mission is to draft half his roster full of rookies to prove <laughs> that he was on somebody before everybody else, you know? Uh, and those are the guys that just love taking their money. I was yeah. a pretty dominant player, but I was old school. I wasn't like you with all the algorithms. I mean, we had our Excel spreadsheets sure. that we created with formulas because that was a technology. Uh, and I believe in that. But man, these are, it's like... I'm not envious. Uh, I, 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 I'm not. I, I don't know what I am, but I look at these new fantasy analysts and like, and y'all got it easy. If I had all your tools, if I still was, chose to play, uh, you know, I'd own all of y'all. I owned all of y'all back then. You know, I had a famous guru who's on television now uh, uh, tell me one day, "Man, you made me sit there and have to pay attention to those expert leagues because right. he saw how I dominated." And, 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 and full disclosure. Early on in expert leagues, the experts would draft, then half of them wouldn't pay attention. I played the leagues out, and I just won, won, won. So my point is, it's not that I always won because I was dominant. It was like half the league didn't try it. But I'm a marketer. You know, what greater marketing? You know, winner of, of 12 champ, uh, expert leagues, right. team this past year. And, right. and one of the guys said, yeah, you got me having to do that now. To me, that was a great compliment. Uh, but that said, what bothered me, though, about the Brian Robinson uh, – carjacking is it's increasing carjacking is increasing this was a great moment to talk about it but but not to get too heavily into politics but my belief is that's why it is a fake news media uh and i have documented it with case after case after case and my point is this would have been a great time to highlight you know carjackings people need to be careful you gotta you know that type of not a nary a word i saw one or two articles and and in in seven police district you know the areas they cover uh, there's like 63% increase, 145% increase, wow. uh, 41% increase, 9% increase. And the decreases are minimal, 8%, 8%, 5%, right. you know? Uh, and teenagers are, 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 are doing a lot of these carjacking. It, it's like way up, skyrocketing up for teenagers. And that's because I believe of, of these DAs that don't prosecute or these mayors that 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 tell the DAs, you know, oh, they make every excuse, and all it's done is create a greater crime wave. And I think Brian Robinson were, was really uh, uh, a victim of that. I just hope he takes a step back and looks at why this happened. 
You know, not that he has to do anything to stop it, but to realize why it happened, you know, so he can educate himself to the realities of life around him versus what people tell him. And to me, that's just as important as his recovery, because we can never stop growing as human beings, you know. And I can tell you this, at that age, we're all we're all young, dumb, and you know what? And we think we're invincible. Right. He no longer thinks that. He's going to look at life very differently. So I hope he can use that and channel it, channel it into right. some good stuff. Any final comments on Brian Robinson? No, I think we've pretty much covered it. I mean, like I said, um, it's a shame that it had to happen to him, but happy he's going to make pull through. And look, there's still a good chance, a very good chance probably of him playing this season. So all it's things not, considered, baby. it could have been a lot worse. Would you, if you were entering your draft this week, would you do a draft and hold on him? Uh, no, draft and stash. no, no, I listen. I didn't look, I didn't think he people put way too much emphasis when they think they've got a diamond in the rough. Like, I saw him going way, yeah, I, I saw him going way too early. Like, I mean, um, I think he's an RB4, maybe at best, you know. So, unless you're in a dynasty league and you think he's going to be valuable next season, you know, a dynasty league meaning a keeper league, um, then maybe. But as a no, no, I yeah, wouldn't. You know, uh, I have a great example. You, nobody's going to remember this name, but you and other people from <laughs> from from back then is Matthew Hatchett when he was with the mm. Jets one year. Uh, he, he had he had been trending up over the last couple of years. Right. And, and I had him as a, uh, as a as a potential sleeper. And then, you know, preseason, others started ranking him. And he just jacked way up to the point I never even got near drafting him. And so full would take it. And he ended up tanking. And, right. and, and what you're saying is, is a valuable lesson to fantasy owners. Understand the value of your player. And, and don't worry if somebody overreaches for him. Because all that guy did was leave a pick on the table that you can maybe hopefully take after. Exactly. Or, 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 or draft, you know. So so much success to, to, to Robinson Jr. there in both his recovery and hopefully a solid season. Because let's be honest, you know, everybody thought Gibson was going to win that role. So for him to do that is, is impressive from a rookie. Uh, uh, so much success to him. Let's right. move on. We're going to have a little bit of fun here with this segment. I used to be, a, I am a big fan of Cowboy Bebop. You know, so when I saw it was going to be made into a live action, I was like, yeah, awesome, awesome. It's just one of those, look, uh, 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 I am not like those, 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 there's this real famous leftist. He got busted uh, uh, watching the, the, the sexual animation port. I figure the hench or whatever. But I'm a manga fan. I right. watch all the animes and things like that. And uh, Cowboy Bebop's a classic. If you ever want to learn anime or watch something, the storyline's great. It's funny. It's never been high on my list, William. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, I'm talking to Sergeant Number One, Sergeant Slaughter's Number One fans. So, <laughs> right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. But but my point is, is it has a cult following. Mm. So they made that. It was a huge budget. The lead actor was perfect 15 years ago for the role. The, the, they kind of matched it, matched it, uh, scene for scene, like the intro, and it tanked. It wasn't funny. It was uh, it was kind of like color being by numbers. It had massive uh, down, or, 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 or I guess they call them streaming minutes or watching minutes. That's how Netflix does it, right, how many right. minutes I watch. And then it tanked, got canceled after season one. Fast forward, the resident alien. You know, I'm a video gamer as well. And uh, so I was stoked about it. Then it turns out they're not following the uh, the, 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 the the gaming, you know, the storylines of the game right. as much as just kind of stealing the names and throwing Resident Evil on it. And uh, I was talking, I was on vacation. I had a family re reunion I told you about right. uh, last week. So I called my friend and he's a friend of mine. We grew, uh, we went to high school together. You know, we've stayed in touch. Uh, in fact, he worked for KFF for a little while. And uh, I, I was poking fun at him and we were talking about this. I go, so, so, so why don't I hear any cultural appropriation complaints from you? And he knew I was being sarcastic because they gave the, the, the character who's white, they gave it to a, a black character. But they gave it to one of my favorite black character actors, and that's Lance Reddick. I think he was in Boss. Phenomenal, phenomenal mm. actor. Getting rave reviews. But I, I'm leading up to a point. The other reason I think this is tanked is it didn't follow the the, the franchise storylines. Right. Uh, the casting was nothing in terms of what what characters you played. And, and I think in today's tribal political world we live in, a lot of people are just now. Uh, I'm not going to watch that. 
Yeah. Right. There's some shows I don't watch because of that. Not because I don't like it. It's because, look, I don't need to watch 30 minutes of a Latino, Asian, or Black audience bagging on white people because it just sickens me, and I'm Latino. Right. You know? So I think they had a little bit to do it, but the storyline was just way out there. It, it had nothing to do with the franchise. And going to you, to the audience, John has a background in film as an actor, writer, producer. When you see, I mean, you you may not have watched it, but you've seen this done over yeah. and over. These video game adaptions, and they don't follow the storyline, and they fail. Even the 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 Mila Jovanovich, the actress. Mila I mean, I enjoyed, yeah, I enjoyed her movies, but they weren't super blockbusters. But they did make money, and they were complained about by all the franchise, you know, fanboys. Right. But I have never seen so many fanboys go, oh, my God, Milo is great compared to this garbage. What's your take on these these adaptions? You just pretty much steal the names, change the characters around, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, it depends, right? I mean, look, the it's the same thing that happens with the big Marvel movies as well. Like, uh, I'm not a gamer, so... Um, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not a gamer. I'm, I'm a, I was a comic book collector, a comic book writer at one point. So when I look at those Marvel movies, I'm like, that's not how the Infinity War went. That's not yeah, how the Infinity yeah. Gauntlet went. That's not what Thanos did. Where's Lady Death and all this? He was in exactly. love with Lady Death. Where is it? You know, but the realization has to come in that it's a different medium, right? A comic book, like The Watchmen, was another great uh, comic adaptation, I mean, right? It should have been. It should have been. Yeah. And even though I enjoyed it, uh, the movie, not the series, it wasn't as good as it should have been. Now, there's a lot of that that has to do with adapting for the screen. There's certain things you can't do or they're not in budget. That's part of the problem. I don't know anymore, John. I mean, you have all the special effects and, and, and all that. So. But they're expensive is what I'm trying to say. So if you have a budget that you can't go over, whether you're giving it to actors, locations or whatever. But there's also the thing that every... See, people think that the person who wrote the book writes the series. And that's not the case. Look at Game of Thrones, right? Uh, Martin was consulted, but he didn't write it. He didn't write the screenplay. I mean, so, right? so for our audience, what's uh, I mean, I know what happens is, but uh, uh, most people do think that. So, so what really happens? Uh, so the a studio will buy the rights to right. a novel or a property, and then they get their people to adapt it yeah. the way they want. So, for example, if you have uh, access to Paramount Plus, there's a great series on there called The Offer which was about the making of the movie, The, the Godfather. Godfather yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend that you see it. It's, it's like a, uh, it's like a limited series. I think it's six or seven episodes. Oh yeah. The previews look great on it. It's fantastic. I saw it. It was really good. But one of the things you learn in that is that when Mario Puzo's book, because it was a book initially, uh, a best-selling book, th when Francis, uh, when the producer uh, of the show of the movie said well we're going to use mario puzo to work with francis ford coppola to to write the movie the exactly. screenplay and the studio bigwigs all lost their minds they're like you can't have a writer write a screenplay which sounds almost crazy right but the truth of the matter is it's two different forms of writing so if you like for example i've written screenplays but i've never written a book Right, 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 right. I, I took a class on screenplays, so I have written a screenplay yeah. just for class assignment. So yeah, I know exactly. It's what very you different. different. Yeah, like writers tend to ramble. Their job is to is to put an imaginative picture in your head of what they've written on the page. Right. So a glance that takes five seconds on the screen might take a chapter in a book. Right. It'd right. be like, oh, boy, he want his eyes wandered lustily, blah, 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 his heart full of joy. Blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, on screen, it might be like, hmm, and that's exactly, it. Exactly. Now, what do you do? Right. So so that's one reason as well. Now, in some in some cases, like The Godfather, the author can be the screenwriter, but it's very rare. Right. So in these productions, sometimes it's also a matter of turning things over. Sometimes they, the studio may have a screenwriter or an adaptation artist on staff. So they save money by using the guy they already have on contract as opposed to paying extra for the writer, the author to come in. So there's a lot of that going in. Another one is 
never underestimate the power of people who bought the property to think they can make it better. Yeah. That's yeah, the other, really that's happened. the other thing, right? Like how this happens, especially with comedians. I don't know why, but it happens, especially with comedians who either go to Hollywood to make a sitcom or to make a movie. Right. You, right. You, right. You always hear the case like Patrice O'Neill, uh, RIP told about his audition once. Okay. Okay. I know who he is. You know, who he is just real briefly. But, Patrice O'Neill was a stand-up comedian, but he was very acerbic. Hollywood hated him because he kept he kept exposing Hollywood. He would expose their business practices, which were very nefarious. He exposed their political beliefs, everything. And Patrice was talking about Patrice O'Neill, the guy, the the, the 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 funny black comedian who was always arguing with like Anthony Cumia. Yeah, yeah. That, he, uh, I, I never knew that that part of it. That yeah, just, uh, the the way you saw it right before he died, he did the Charlie Sheen roast on Comedy Central. Uh, because Sheen was, of course, the guy who went against Hollywood, you know, complaining right, about right. the Jews running everything, right? Um, Patrice O'Neill defended him, and he went to the roast, and he did this great routine, which is what most people, a lot of people will remember for. But at the end, he said, I love the fact that you stood up to the monster, to the beast, because that's how he referred to Hollywood. John, what did he pass away from? I forgot. A stroke. He was diabetic, and he had a uh, he had a diabetic stroke. He was a very young man. He was like forty five. Yeah, forty six. He was young. Yeah, I remember yeah. him from being on Fox. Yeah, and lady, uh, and we won't tell the joke, but the pirate joke. Oh, and that was he said uh, the one pirate of the, joke yeah. on Fox. It was Neil Cavuto's show, and it was embarrassing her. Yeah. He was just—he had no shame, and that's what made it even funnier. I mean, he yeah, her like, name was a She was from the National Organization of Women, a, a Sandro Sario, <laughs> I think. And, and what was funny was it was all improv. It was all in his head. Right. Like he—he he didn't have it written out. But anyway, so what he used to say was that he went on his first audition for a pilot. Now the pilot was about him. The actual description said a Patrice O'Neill character. That's what was in the description. So when his agent said, it goes, look, they're asking for a Patrice O'Neill who better than the original Patrice O'Neill. He goes out to Hollywood. He does his audition. And the feedback was you weren't Patrice enough. And he, well, you know, you know, the NFL network told me that on the, I mean, you hear me, I'm loud, I'm bombastic, yeah. but everything's time. You, you have X amount of time. To, so I had to memorize myself because you can't stutter. I mean, shoot, right. they don't want to do retake and retake on a daily show. And uh, it, Rich, this was Rich Eisen. I'm, I am name dropping because uh, we were the, the first fantasy analysts on the NFL right. network, partner and I, Rich Eisen, uh, Kenny Norton Jr., who loved us, and uh, uh, oh, oh, Seth Joyner. Mm. Uh, who is actually has a brilliant uh, uh, Q, uh, uh, X's and O's mind. Right. But uh, uh, the, the producer said, he came up to me, what are you grabbing my shoulder? I need what I hear on the radio. That's what I need. That's what I want. And I'm like, well, I, on the radio, I'm like saying my own thing. I'm not having right. to read. You know? right, so right. I, I can relate is what I'm yeah. trying to say. But, it, but <laughs> he just thought it was hilarious, right? He goes, you're asking for Patrice O'Neill. I'm Patrice O'Neill, but somehow I'm not Patrice O'Neill enough yeah. for you, right? So, but that's the type of thing that also happens in these adaptations, right? So somebody said, you know what makes good sense? Uh, the Resident Evil thing. We could make that into a great horror flick or whatever, right? Right. Then when they view the game, they go, that game was awesome. I love the story. Well, except for this part or except for this part. And it's a running joke, like in any pilot development. Like, do you know how many pilots, if you watch them, the original actors were never kept after the pilot. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a real famous one. There's Married with Children, the two kids were completely different. Big Bang Theory, the part that went to Kaylee Cuoco was some other girl that after the first episode, the audience hated her so much that they got rid of her. Um, was, oh, Frazier. Frazier, uh, 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 the, the blonde girl from uh, Friends. Uh, uh, she was going to play the character Lisa Kudrow. Yeah, Lisa and, and Frazier, there's just like no chemistry, nothing. And Frazier laughs about it, and he goes, "Oh well, she she did okay after that." <laughs> yeah, but, but no, but, you're right. Yeah. So a lot of times, what happens is producers, who are the ones who make these decisions in TV, in film, it's usually the director. There's this. Right. There's a whole power structure that's different, right? If you're a writer, I would advise you to go into TV. You have more power in TV. If if you want more power, you should be a director for films. There's there's this weird sort of thing, right? But anyway, 
you, you know, it, it, it's it's a situation too in Netflix going woke, having all these woke shows whacking them. I mean, this wasn't a woke show, but I think Netflix, uh, they've gone so far over budget with some of the series. There was some superhero series on Netflix. It got canceled before you even finished streaming it. And it turns out uh, there were some issues but the cost of the show, like 30, 40 million, and that it was just astronomical. And there was one of my favorite shows, another book adaption, uh, uh, Alter, uh, Alters. I can't remember. It's a great series on Netflix. Uh, 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 based on like three books. Is it Ozarks? Ozarks? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, damn it. Uh, it's going to bug me now the rest of the okay. show. But it was a very expensive show. And it, it, and then and then it, the way it was based was the guy could, you, you could body swap. Your, 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 your mind was uploaded to a different body. So the second season, same high budget, but the character we fell in love with season one, they were following the book with different characters because he had, he had he uploaded himself to a different body, you know? So so there's a lot of reasons, uh, but even faithful adaptions uh, with the author's uh, consent, meaning they understand that they have right. to change certain things. Even those don't make it. Now, to knock on those people like me, who think you need to follow what the the the, the canon is it what they call it the canon right. uh, uh, of the show meaning the history what's really acknowledged the movie Resident Evil uh uh, uh Raccoon uh, uh City came out last year I saw it just this past week uh, I was flying uh, uh, from the east to the west coast right. and it followed the series uh, the game adaptation very closely with two. Uh, Two storylines kind of mix in. The characters were, were all well. Uh, 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 I mean, all the characters from the game were there, right. but it was terrible. It mm. wasn't scary. It was predictable. It was really like a, a, a semi bigger budgeted sci fi. Uh, right. Talking about the network B right. movie, and and yet it only cost twenty some odd million, made about forty one million. So so my take is, if I'm the 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 studio, I'm like, no, we're done because. People who saw the first one, they're not going to come back to the second one, regardless of the fact that that, that you right. made about twenty some million in profit. Right. Now that said, uh, the the Netflix just did not follow anything. The only character that got great reviews was was Lance Reddick, and uh, he's like I said, he's a great actor. If, if you have a chance, check out the Bosch series; plays a phenomenal role in there. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. If you, if you don't get the minutes, if Netflix doesn't get the minutes. They're taking these shows, especially with the fact that how expensive that was a big budget show. And yeah. and when you deviate that badly, I'm like, oh, for let, 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 let's get let, let's uh, right. uh, cancel it. One more question we talk about Resident Evil, but based on everything you said, I want to get your take. Uh, uh, 50 Shades of Grey, the author kept ownership of that, meaning the contract, Universal paid her a lot of money for the adaption. But she, it's like she came contractually with the adaption and had a lot of final say with the casting, you know, some of the scenes, and her and the director butted heads. And the director irked me because she kind of like said, well, you're just a damn idiot. You're just the writer. I'm the director and I know best. She didn't say it like that, but that's pretty much what she was saying, you know. And and the movie still made buku bucks. You know, then she left in a fit, you know, the director, another one came on and, and, and all three of the movies made big bucks. And my take is there's a lot of uh, 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 writers who just, they're like, no, I'm not associated with that. Oh, the the, the Doom franchise, the game Doom, right. the, the company distanced themselves from, uh, it was either Netflix or Amazon. They did a damn cheesy ass adaption. Doom is a male Marine. And there's a certain name they give it in. So what does Netflix do in their world world? Give the lead to a, a woman, you know? So, so nobody watching it didn't do well. And so this lady, when I finished Shades of Grey, I actually applauded her because she's like, this is my creation. I have envisioned this being on the big screen and I have my vision for it. Do you think it's fair for that, for her to have done what she did versus the studio going, we paid you a lot of money to adapt it. We're going to adapt it as we see fit. Look, um, if you if you recall, that's what I said, right? On a, uh, on in TV, that writer would have a lot more say and a lot more control. In movies, it's almost always the director's vision. Like Quentin Tarantino writes his own movies and directs his own movies. That's right. rare. Right. It, like Scorsese doesn't write his own movies, right? They're all adaptations of, of something else, right. usually of books, right? So typically. 
But who's who is the undisputed dictator on a movie set? It's the director. Director, yeah. Now in TV, there's something called the showrunner, which more often than not is a writer. And they're the ones who have all the power. The director says, I want to do it this way. The showrunner says, no, you're not. That's it. The director doesn't have the final say. It's a weirder thing. Uh, a perfect example in TV would be Larry David, say the guy who does who, who wrote Seinfeld and who does Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? Because right? right, right, he right. controls that whole mess himself, right? That's because uh, Seinfeld made him a zillionaire, so whatever sure. he did next, he was going to take control. So before we leave the subject, uh, just to let the audience know, uh, 858 million minutes or 14.3 million hours in the United States. Uh, it opened uh, uh, 72.7 million hours viewed worldwide in its first week. Uh, so those were those, and those are decent numbers. I look at those numbers like, damn, that's a lot of people watching. However, uh, after the first couple of weeks, it had a 62% drop, and that's mm. probably because of uh, of the critics, the, the the you know the Metacritic, Rotten Tomatoes. Right. And I haven't watched it yet, uh, and I don't know if I'm going to watch it now. I actually only lasted one episode of Cowboy Bebop. It was so bad, mm. you know. So so I don't know if I'll watch it. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm like, cancel it <laughs> if, if it's that bad, you know. But but I applaud that lady. Uh, and you're right. I just a lot of us naturally learn these terms like showrunner. You know, I just kind of like intuitively over the years picked up that you know that that was a uh, uh, that's the boss because right. you always hear the articles you know uh, the showrunner has left yeah so right. so 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 let's close that out with, with, with the final note i am looking forward to the remake even though it's a completely different take of quantum leap and that's a show from the 90s with scott bacula where right. he left through time he was lost he couldn't leap back into his own time and right. it ended on a cliffhanger so i'm actually hoping scott bacula they can have a story arc and come back but it's just it was one of those cute you know just Forget about life and entertainment. So, uh, uh, and I'm not a reboot guy, but but I like the actor. He's he's, he's the guy from uh, Fresh Off the Boat, the lead actor, I believe, but I'm not sure. So so maybe we'll talk about that uh, when it comes out. Yeah, sure. Because we're busy. There's some busy people right yeah. now. Yeah. So let's get to a topic of uh, a reality check of life consequences uh, based off the decisions we made. Uh, oh, looks like I lost you there. But there you are. You're, just you're back. temporarily. Yep. Uh, so uh, in the military. I was considered a lifer because I did my job. I, mm. I, I was brought up with values, with, with, with an honor system, a code. I, I'm not a saint, but I was brought up. You sign a contract, you fulfill it. I was I signed up for the military. I did my job to the best of my ability. But every I, I was at, at like six commands in, 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 in my time in. And I was always the golden boy to start out. Right. But eventually they hated me because I was always stand up to myself. And as an enlisted you know, we get crapped on. So I was always the guy, no, 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 this ain't right. I was the guy who would request captain's pass. I was the guy they called a sea lawyer because I knew the regs and I knew when an officer was abusing his power. Uh, you know, I, I knew all that and I used it to the best of my ability to not get myself screwed and to protect the people under me. And believe it or not, that carried over to KFL and it was one reason why we were so successful and I had so much loyalty for, from the troops. Right. Now, politically, I came out <laughs> over the last uh, since about 2008 as a Latino who's conservative I'm like no 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 we're not all short and brown some of us are short and lighter skin and I say lighter skin because my grandmother's black my, my mother was called Blanca in Spanish El Cot, and also called China you know because she looks so Asian and, and she's very very pale and, and, right. and, and I got some of those characteristics and some of my friends down in Panama call me Blanquito and I call some of my cousins Negro or Negro because that's how we describe right, each other. Right. So we're very diverse. And uh, so so I came out. And, and I never did this at KFL because there's a price you pay. Michael Jordan said it best. I think, I think it was Michael Jordan. Republicans buy shoes too. Uh, right. I think he it said it too. Right. So, so it's smart for a business not to uh, 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 delve into politics when unnecessarily. Now, right. that's changed over the last couple of years. But in our industry, that still kind of holds true. And, and John, and you, you can relate to the audience too. Uh, to the audience, when, when I first approached John and, and told him uh, about what I wanted to do, and John's a libertarian, people. So any libertarian is already 
having to deal with a lot of negative flack, right, right. Now, including for me. You know, John yeah. and I are pretty open. So, so my point being is we're struggling to, to build our staff. And, and what's funny, and I don't know if I'm right, but I always said, I would tell John, uh, I've heard in the audience, I'll go, John, we need to make sure these people want to work. They know what they're getting into. And John would go, always go, yeah, 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 yeah. And I never thought you fully understand, but I think whether you did or not, you do now. Because yeah. we're struggling. In fact, we had a bit of a little soap opera drama. And our regular baseball guy was like, hey, I'll find another podcast partner. And lo and behold, I'm talking to him on the uh, phone. And he's struggling because we are a conservative libertarian site who is not afraid to voice our opinions, to speak as harshly as Democrats do. And these businesses do not want to do business with us. Uh, uh, before I go on to my next take on it, though, what's your thought process on everything I've said in terms of what you've seen? Well, you know, I think you're right. You know, it's not it's evident just in general right now what's interesting is you mentioned that you thought i didn't believe you or i, I didn't take you seriously when you no, 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 I, not that it's just i don't think you thought it was as serious as right I right right it. right it's also how we react to things which we're two de very different people in in the way we react to things you know not to be too stereotypical but I've got more the Greek philosophical bent to me, you know, where I just right. kind of bounce it around in my head. And if I get upset, it's usually just in my head, you know, and then that's it. Right. I, t I tend to just work it out in my head. Right. Yeah. They wouldn't mistake you for a Spartan warrior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, No, 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 not in any way. You're very but, mellow. Very mellow. But what's interesting is you are almost stereotypically the hot-headed Latino, right? Yeah, Where it's yeah. like, you hear, yeah, and your first reaction is, what, somebody insulted me? Man, I got to cut his throat or something. You know, it's like, you, <laughs> you have a different, right, right, right. So you have a, a different reaction, but we both see the same thing. So it's never that we're not aligned on that. And I don't think anybody would disagree with me on that. It's just more that, like, I think we need to find that way we're going to react to it as a company and as partners, right? So what's interesting is I agree with you, because as a libertarian, I, I, I look, I'm not looking for anybody's sympathy, all right? Right. But yeah, like I, like I said, are. especially in New York, being a libertarian, that means you've got nowhere to turn to. You've got, like, zero friends, right? Because New York is a blue state. The few reds that are in here right now are all Trump zealots. Neither one of those is appealing to me. So to me, it's it's like I've always like I can go the whole day and I'm debating somebody like for three quarters of the day, even at the grocery store. Like if I walk in with one of my typical libertarian T-shirts, I get six people who look at me and say, "Ugh, effing libtard, you know, and then I'll get the other half dozen saying, "Ugh, maga um, maga midget or whatever they said maga more whatever you know yeah. it's like and i haven't said a word you know but it's like half the people John, hold on you are six foot four a big burly guy i don't think yeah. anybody's gonna say anything to you no they do they do because i'm <laughs> mellow i don't i don't hit people for the most part you know so i'm non-threatening i'm very people get that vibe off of me but anyway my so but i do agree with you though because you could see it um when we go out to try to interview people Right. Oh yeah, and, and let's let's be honest here, William. No names. I don't. I don't want to. No names. No names. No names. No names. We've had people we've known in the industry. Thirty years. Thirty years. I, I, some people I have helped them make money. Yeah, I have actually here. helped them get six-figure yeah. salary jobs. Yeah, there's people I've mentored. Okay, yeah. like, and you know that we ran our businesses slightly differently. There were people who have won awards that have come under my tutelage. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 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 no need to name them. And there's way too many for anybody to guess who I'm talking about. Right. right so exactly. that's why I feel comfortable saying this, that I reached out to and said, Hey, would you like to be a guest on our shows or one of my shows or something? They all said, sure. Never heard from them again, one way or another. Uh, and it's not because they're busy. It's not because of anything. A few of them actually got back to us and said, what is it you guys talk about exactly? And that's a legit question based off the fact we don't just do fantasy. Right. Fact, we, fantasy we, isn't even our primary stuff anymore. Which is fair, you know. But once you tell them, they don't believe you or they don't like it or they think they're going to get blackballed by somebody else. That's which is the fear. Which is understandable, right? So 
I think that is a very valid concern you have. Um, as a matter of fact, full transparency, you and I had a little mini debate before the show as to whether we even wanted to talk about this on the air. Not because I believe in, and for those out there, William was like, I got to do this. I got to talk about that. You know, like he was all jacked up. I was like, mm, do we want to do that? You know, is that a smart move? You know, whatever. No, let's be fully honest. Yeah. Part of the reason was we've had a long day, a long week. And I'm like, I don't have to prep for this. segment. Yeah. That's another thing. Yeah. We don't have to do any research for this segment, but the truth of the matter is we did have not an, not an argument because I think we both understood each other. It was more yeah. just like, is this the right thing to do? And, and you, you talked me into it because at, at, at heart, I'm a pretty honest person. Like I'm mellow, but you'll rarely see me lie to someone or, or, or um, hide my feelings from someone. I'm mellow about it, but you'll know exactly where I stand yeah. on anything. Oh and yeah, I, yeah, and yeah. you're and you're the same way, right? So, so I think this is good in the sense that we understand it. Again, we're not looking for sympathy. We're not saying like, oh, woe's us. Nobody will be our guest. We don't need guests. But hey, we are taking resumes in if you do want to write or podcast. Absolutely. Or, and the, and I think people also overweight this stuff a little bit. Like no one would walk up to you, uh, I would think, and say, you're, you used to write for the New York Times and we don't deal with that leftist crap here. No, people on the right, at least, would probably look at you and say, they train people well over there. They know how to write. You may not well, agree we, with we, we had a Democrat. Now, yeah. things went south, but we were completely transparent. And, and like you said, we are completely honest. And and, and, and it, just, it went south. And that's all I'll say. Yeah, it went south. That's it. And then that's but, fine, too. Because, like, it happens. That's fine. Right. But, but you know, it's more just like, I don't understand. Look, listen, w would I enjoy working for the New York Times? probably not but yeah. if they offered me the right position and paid me enough and gave me something and let me write i would work for them it wouldn't be that it would be like so against my principles right because at the end of the day it's a job i gotta be honest john i mean first of all off camera i've told you about my lamp uh, uh, the style of sure. person i am and uh, uh i walked away from six figures and then i walked away by walking away with the six figures i also walked away from from uh, the job I was lined up to get that would, uh, 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 let's say over the last 10 years, I left over a million and a half dollars on the table. That's accrued over a year. That's a lot of money. Right. And uh, uh, so I probably wouldn't take it because I, I know myself, not that I'm a saint or noble or anything. It's like, I've been fired in two weeks over there because I am a Latina. Because I'm going to, well, say what? Let's go to the dry room, you know? Uh, and I'm only five seven. You know? but, but I think my only issue I have especially with the individuals we've known for 30 years, is is grow a pair. Call me up. Hey, William, you and I go back a long way. But you know, our our, this, our business, we just don't talk politics. We don't do this. So so I'm a little leery. Because I would be, my first day would be, hey, that's fine. We're not going to do the show. Right. Because I do understand the repercussions. Right. What hurts me is, 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 is the cowardice uh, of that. And I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but to me, I think American uh, masculinity in, in, in the 60s, they did away with the white man's masculinity. Uh, uh, in, in, the, in the 80s and 90s, uh, I mean, it, the easy example, we have the Marvel man, the James Bond man, but yet they're trying to sell us that Ben Stiller's a, a man's man, you know? Right, it's, right. It's, it's, uh, the, the black man, they're taking the, the masculinity away from the black man. Look at what they're portraying on TV. Uh, uh, the Latinos and Latinx. So, so in a crazy way, I, I think we've lost uh, as men because most of the people we talk to are, in fact, every one of them have been men so far. Uh, it's like, man up, man. At least, do not be afraid to tell me the truth. You know, it's like John. It, it, today, you were kind of hesitant on it. You know, and for me, the truth has always been a part of my life, for better or for worse. They hated me on a lot of these commands. But my last command, everybody hated me but the captain because mm -hmm. I actually was the only one who spoke the truth. Two commands before that, when I was taken to the mat by the captain and, and then I held my ground and told the truth, I became the captain's boy. Another command, I became the XO's boy. And it wasn't like a teacher's pet. It's like I just stood up for my guys and myself. And that's always been important for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how I kind of look at this situation. Yeah. Stand up for yourself and tell us why. 
yeah it's 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 a little weird because it's almost contradictory right so uh, you know i mentioned that i i've been a mentor to a lot of people and uh you know this as well william a lot of these guys and i'm not talking about the ones who rebuffed us i'm just talking in general now yeah yeah um 20 years after the fact, if I pick up the phone personally and say, I need, I need a ride or I need you to help me with some, all of them will come running. I never do it, but they all come running. If I ask, because I treated them like men. I treat yeah. and by men. I'm not saying I didn't treat the women. Right. I, what I mean is I, I treated them upfront. I was always honest with them. Um, there were times when, you know, I didn't eat so I could pay them. Uh, because times got lean for a while they appreciated that there were times when i would say hey this isn't your best work let's talk for an hour and see how yeah, we can improve it right yeah. right there's there's a little bit of everything like that uh there was guys that i helped their profiles out you know where like and all of them at the end of the day came to me and said i've got an offer to go somewhere else i've got an offer to go to espn i've got an offer to go to an nfl yeah. pro team i've got an you know and I couldn't compete with them. So I was like, sure, good luck. If you need a reference, let me know. I'll be more You're than like happy. You're like me. You knew our, uh, our gigs, our companies, uh, at least my company was, did very well, but it was not a career company. Right. I knew it was going to sell it at 10 years and somebody else would take it to the next level. So so when those offers happened, I was like, well, that was my goal. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, you're going to get this job, that job. My goal was to prepare them. So when they, so when somebody went and poached them, they were poaching the best of the best. And uh, right. I'm proud of that. Yeah. You know? and, and well, you know, it's also symptomatic of this country as a whole, not just in our profession, because I can't tell you how many gigs I've walked away from because of incompetent managers. Yeah. Meaning that the managers got there because they either had a technical uh, superiority but not a management superiority yeah. so in a lot of these big companies because the salaries are controlled by what level you're at yeah they have to promote you to like say a vice president to justify that they're paying you because you're a good coder for example but when you're a vice president they say well you got to have five people reporting to you because that's part of being a vice president even though we hired you because you're a good coder and then that guy ends up destroying five careers because he was oh, yeah, never a manager. Oh, yeah, what you're saying, because he never had, a, he never understood management. Right. I had a senior chief who was like that. Oh, I mean, he deep down he cared for all of us because when, when the bleep hit right. the fan, his first concern was let's go get, take care of your family. But everybody hated him because he was extremely smart. And in the military, at least in the Navy, you would take a test. That's how you got promoted. I just scored right. a test. Boom. So a lot of the 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 the, the smart. People who had no management skills. That's why when the John Walker incident happened in the 70s, I'm like, yeah, had we gone to war, we would have lost. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, because you know, a lot of people get promoted. It's a lot of kissing ass. That's why I was like, well, it's, it's, that know, it's, it's, it's in the military too, a lot of kissing yeah. ass. It, and it's yeah. also insecurity. Like I got lucky when I came up on Wall Street, my first big job on Wall Street, I got taken under the wing of this old stereotypical Jewish banker. I, I say this story. Uh, yeah, I say this. I tell this story all the time and people think I'm making it up. It's almost become like one of my um, myth mythological things, you know, but I got taken under the wing of this guy, old Jewish guy, stereotypical. Like if you could picture a typical New York banker, Jewish New York banker, yeah, bald yeah. head. He, he was always worried. He always had an ulcer because he was worried about something. Right. He was like, oh, and he would always walk around like this. And he kind of had talked like this all the time, you know, like it was very stereotypical. Right. Um, one day when he first hired me now, remember he hired a biologist to work on wall street. He was yeah. taking a risk on me. Right. Yeah. But he pulled me aside and he said, now, listen, professor, the one thing I have to tell you, anytime you get a chance to be a manager, you make sure you hire people who are smarter than you. Yeah, who know more than you he goes that's the way everyone makes out and i at the time i didn't really understand what he meant because i was like 25 26 i was like a kid as i got older i it, the wisdom of it went into my ear right and what i see now what i've seen for the last 20 years william in, in corporate america and society in general is these people who are managers make it a point to hire people they can bully not yep. people they can succeed with or oh, yes man yeah and so then all of a sudden now you have people being raised by crappy managers 
in, in, in society. So how, how do these people react? Well, if your manager is going to fire you, if your manager is going to only react to good news and not handle the bad news, what's your goal? What's your incentive as an employee? Mm. I'm going to hide, I'm going to hide, I'm going to hide all the failures, right? I'm just not going to tell them about it. And if I can't get something done on time, I'm just going to sort of like quietly resign, right? Which means like, I'm just going to string it along, string it along, string it along until the guy says, you're doing nothing and fires me. But then the project itself is still underwater, right? Yeah. Then I go to the next company and I do the same thing there. If you're an employee with a bad manager. That's why when when employees, if you t- look at these management things on LinkedIn, these seminars and everything, the good managers, the good managers are the ones who put the team above themselves, which I'm assuming is the case in the military. A good officer looks out for his charges rather than. Oh, himself. yeah, yeah. But, but it's not like that. It, it's the word you just described. In fact, one of the first video training films, I can't remember, it never left me. It, had, it was an enlisted uh, khaki, you know, E7, right. uh, and he had different expertise people. And the whole point of the training film was that it's his job to listen to every right. point they have to make and then figure out what the best solution is with all that input. And I never forgot that. But that said, uh, uh, my own growth, even at KFFL, I was a bad manager at times because I took too much of the military in me. So so you, you never stop growing. And, and, and again, getting back to the topic, I guess my bottom line issue is I just wish these people would be honest with us instead of hemming and hawing. Because, uh, uh, and as far as you're right, I am very emotional. But I know what I'm doing for the perspective. When we talked about this, I said, John, it may take us a couple of years because this is what we're getting into. Right. So it's kind of like uh, uh, my whole point in our discussion was uh, we're not going to get uh, a, a staff within one, two, even three or four, six, eight months. It's going to take a while. Plus, the thing with volunteers or low-paid employees and startups like ours, uh, most of them do it for the passion. But for every one good one at KFFL, we went through about 20 to 30 bad ones. I had a training program created for this because that's how the military taught me. So right. it's a slow process. I'm willing to live with it. And uh, uh, even as an example, when we started this back up, we had our dormant Twitter account, uh, you know, and I knew what was going to happen. We're going to see a drop in numbers early on because we're conservatives, libertarians. And you know me, I don't hold back at times. And you chastise me rightfully so. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, Democrat plantation is kind of harsher every every other tweet, you know. So so I get it and all that. Yeah. And sure, sure enough, people, I have unfollowed people for certain reasons just because I don't want to be tied to that account. Right. Yeah, uh, and that's what was happening. So it's a slow growth. We are not looking for sympathy. The whole point of this story is to be honest. That it it it's it, you have to be brave when you take a risk. We're not brave. We're just who we are. But there is some sort of bravery for people who have never done it because it's scary. You know, it's you have to very be prepared. Scary. To, yeah, you have to be prepared to fail. If you're an entrepreneur, the biggest lesson I would say you have to take away, not that I'm breaking any news, every entrepreneur knows this is. But not the average person. So yeah, say. <laughs> you have you have to fail before you succeed. Yeah. You have to. No, like the number of times people succeeded, quote, overnight, is not as much as you think. Is it like people say Bezos became a billion overnight? No, no. He toiled in that garage of his until he perfected his business. Uh, Amazon lost hundreds of millions of dollars they may still in those be losing money technically yeah technically they may still be losing money because he had a different vision now i guarantee you no uh no mba program on the planet says go into business and lose hundreds of millions of dollars that's the way to success right, right. you're not going to learn that anywhere right well, well, well for entrepreneurs a better example is uh my is, is it michael dell Dell uh, computers, is Dell computers yeah, yeah. You know, well, I mean, he didn't leave his dorm room until he had more orders than he could handle and had enough orders to where I can do a business now. You know, and and, and with entrepreneurism, I always tell people, everybody loves to tell us, oh, man, that guy takes risks, takes risks. No, they take calculated risks. Right. And there's a big difference. Those who take risks without thinking, they're stupid, out of work living back in the basement or crawling back to the job where they told their boss off that they were never going to go back to because they were stupid, didn't plan right. it out, didn't think it out. And when I say plan it out or think it out, I mean 
put it to paper or or, or have a, a a plan ready to go. A business plan, yeah, business. Exactly, plan. exactly. So 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 don't have pity for us people. But if you do want to write a podcast, we're willing to, to see what you can do. And our belief is. It's just going to take a slow growth. The reason we wanted to talk about it is we are in a tribal world now, and and saying the wrong thing could get you canceled. So 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 there, I don't fault people who have families or things of that nature, but there comes a time in our lives where you have to look in the mirror and man up. Not every battle, but there's always going to be that one battle that really directly affects you, it affects your health, your stress, everything, right. and that stress is happening, and your health is going downhill. It's because you're allowing yourself to be taken or to be bullied, to be to take a beating. And there right. comes a time in life we all have to stand up. Don't be an idiot now and go into your boss's office tomorrow and go believe you, man, and yeah. then without a job in place. Yeah, well, that's you're right. I mean, uh, I'm not sitting here saying I'm an angel. I've been, I've basically gotten myself fired from several gigs. You know, just be, but I've never been fired from somewhere where I left and then said, uh, I should have just swallowed some more crap and stayed there. Um, you mean like Jonah Goldberg, the, the conservative libertarian, uh, uh, leaving Fox and dropping to his knees for CNN and now he's a hardcore leftist for the cash? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, look, uh, at, at times, you, I, I try to refrain from that sort of thing for one reason, because I don't know... What a lot of times those descriptions. If I don't know the situation, I I don't know. Like well, I've read his books, I follow his. Yeah, yeah, I, I no. used to be a big fan. Then I saw this change. Yeah, you know, I down the money. Yeah. You know? Well, did he change for the money? Did he change because of some personal revelation? I mean, it's the old joke, right? If you listen to Richard Pryor's first couple of albums when he really became famous, right? You heard the N word dropped every other oh, yeah. time, every other word was end this, end that, end yeah. this. Okay. Now he was funny, don't get me wrong. But then after he set himself on fire, he took his trip to Africa and he came back. He never used that word again till the day he died. Um why? That's a positive growth in, in No, his, no, but but my like, point is his fans were calling him sellout. Oh, because oh, they're yeah. like, "Oh, did someone get to you? Are you not are you not using that word so you could get cash, right?" You know, like there were a lot of people, believe it or not, that thought Richard Pryor was a sellout. Because they were saying, oh, he wants a TV show. That's why he's not using the word, right? So he could get on TV. I thought his third G Water movie he sold out. Right, right. But my point (laughs) is, he explained why he never used that word again. It was because he said, when I went to Africa, I looked around and there was one voice in my head. And as I looked around, the voice said to me, do you see any N-words around here? Right. He goes, there's not an N-word around here, is there? There's only black people, yeah. professionals, successful black people. He was talking about the folks in Africa. And he said, at that moment, I swore to myself, I ain't never calling another black man the N-word again. And he goes, you're, you know what? You're, you're right. I have spoken to a lot of African immigrants in my life. And their take uh, 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 is so different from, say, the American black man or, or woman. And, and, and it makes sense. Two completely different continents, two different cultures now. Two different cultures, so, yeah. so I can see that happening with Richard Pryor. As far as Jonah Goldberg, no, <laughs> he still had his soapbox at Fox. They were giving him his platform. He just, I, like I said, I, I, I don't hate Trump so much. He I went over, but but, yeah. but hating Trump's one thing, but to give up all your values to go to, to go to go sit there and agree and nod your head, it's to, tough. Uh, it's to, tough to, to because like head. you don't know how people are going to react, right? Like I mean. I knew good conservatives who became supporters of Trump, not because they like Trump. They they hate they hated Trump. Oh, that's me. I'm not a Trump fan, but I support him based off the data. But they hated Clinton more. Do you understand what oh, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That, that was me actually. They're, I voted for Trump because because I'm like we cannot have this woman right uh, uh, running our country. Right. So, like, I mean, and if you had asked me earlier, would those conservatives have that I knew that I knew that I'm talking about ever voted for Trump, I would have said I would have bet my last dollar they would have rather been shot in the head than vote for Trump. Right, that was me. We used to talk about it. Remember, I was so anti-Trump, right. but I got to be honest. Well, you know what? We don't even need to talk about Trump because we'll get into another hour on that. Yeah, yeah, no, but 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 I mean, it's it's always tricky for me to judge a person's motivation for what appears to be quote a sellout. 
I don't know. Maybe he has a family to feed. Maybe he has a sick kid that he has to take care of. You so, are absolutely right. You know, so but I just, you know what, John? it is what it is. So did I, when I walked away from two six-figure jobs. Yeah. You know, so, I so, so, so I, and, and you know what? I will be the first to admit, my standard is much higher. And without children, it is much easier for me to jump right. on my soapbox. So I do understand that. But no, this doesn't apply to Jonah Goldberg. It does apply to other people, okay. but not Jonah Goldberg. Fair yeah. enough. Okay. I don't know enough. I don't know enough about Jonah, so I can't say. But no, the guy is a great writer. I read his, yeah. I read his book on fascism. And, and, and tonight he kind of semi-agreed with Joe Biden's speech. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, but well, that's a completely different not conversation. In fact, uh, uh, after we hang up, I'm getting up early in the morning to do my first fired up. Uh, hopefully get that to you. And I'm debating to do it on Joe Biden's speech or or or, or, or Gascon, you know. But oh, do, way, it on, do it on Joe Biden. Have some fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, I just got to this out before we leave. Uh, somebody tweeted out an image of uh, Joe Biden in, uh, about the election 2020. It's about decency. And, and then uh, it's on the corner, and the actual image is of Hunter Biden with his hand on his crotch with his thing out, you right, know, right, above right. the picture. And I'm like, that's why the, there was a censorship on, on Hunter Biden's uh, laptop. You know, you can't scream decency when your son's caught right. smoking crack, you know, calling his, his or sleeping with his dead brother's wife, marrying her, then divorcing her. They get, uh, I could go on forever. See, you got me going, Brother John. Either way, to the world and to America. Feel free to contact us if you want to write for us yes. uh, uh, or, or, or try to podcast. But most importantly, just just take what John and I have said uh, uh, from the standpoint of uh, there's always a time and place to man up and do what's right. But make sure the hill you're going to die on is what you really feel you have to die right. on the hill for. And with that, John, any final words? Uh, no, just uh, if you guys don't mind, check out our other podcasts on on the uh, on the site. We have uh, obviously points on the board, which is what you're watching now. There's fired up, which is William basically being himself when it comes to conservative politics. Then you've got my show, The Big Questions with Big John, which is uh, lately been focusing on a lot of libertarian thinkers and politicians. So uh, as well as other great guests. Hey, as conservative, I'm proud to have pushed you a little bit in that direction. Yeah. And I wanted to name drop. Uh, you were talking about there's a few red people in, uh, uh, not Indians, but, but, but Republicans in uh, uh, New York City. But one of your upcoming interviews, we both learned something very, very impressive yes. and, and, and something that's great pushback to me. Because my biggest issue is libertarians don't do certain things. And we learned otherwise. So yeah. do you want to do a little name dropping, give a little hint? Sure, why not? So uh, it probably won't be dropped for a couple of weeks, but I was lucky enough to interview Larry Sharp, who's the gubernatorial candidate in 2022 for the Libertarian Party again. And one of the revelations that uh, Larry gave us on the uh, program, I'll just tease it a little bit, is um, his view of how the Libertarian Party should be reaching out in mainstream politics, as opposed to uh, people like me, you know, for awesome. being honest, who who just approach it from a philosophical point of view, which is like this is what we should be doing, as opposed to this is what we can be doing. Um, and and uh, Larry takes a different approach than I do. As a matter of fact, he warned me. He says, "Big John, what I'm about to say, you're going to get very angry at me." Um, you know, I want to meet him now. Then I mean, yeah. because, because yeah. that's my biggest complaint is y'all yeah. need to stop. I always got. I, I I just got envious when you said it. When they when when you guys philosoph philosophize, philosophize go yeah. out to work on persuading right. and getting your candidates elected. So I really want. I I wish I could. Uh, uh, that's you know we we're so busy. I, we don't have all the time to listen to each other's work. Right. But I'm looking forward to that. And with that, America, make sure you check sportsgrumblings.com out. Share our, our podcast, share our articles, and be on the lookout for Big John's uh, interview. Because I think that's not the only big libertarian name you got, right? We've got some more coming up. There uh, you go, brother. Yeah, definitely. And, we, and we've also got some comedians lined up. Uh, we have some great entrepreneurs, very uh, good entrepreneurs that people would learn from. Uh, a, I even managed to interview a very much a Trump supporter, uh, which uh, I... 
which I took as a personal challenge to be yes. able to interview a Trump uh, supporter and be fair with them, which I think I did, managed to pull that off. So uh, definitely keep an eye out on Sports Grumbling. And like I said, William's uh, show, Fired Up, has been getting a lot of attention as well. A lot of conservatives, especially if you're a, a conservative in California and suffering these days under uh, <laughs> under the, the listen, there's We're no doing the electric cars. There's no libertarian on the planet that would defend what's going on in California. So uh, uh, I'm sure we could find one. <laughs> no, I doubt it. But you know, it's just too. It's, not easy, not it's just it's just too much out there. But definitely. Uh, grab a hold of Williams podcast, fire up uh, on sportsgrumblings.com, on Apple podcasts, on YouTube, on rumble, check them all out. Uh, they're worth your time. And, and also don't forget, we've got celebrities all the time, William popping in to give us a little press conferences. So check out that too uh, on YouTube. It's the sports grumblings, breaking news uh, shows. So give, give those a shot too. And with that, uh, we hope we haven't bored you to death. Actually, I think we had a lot of fun this episode. And with that, America and the world, until next time, good night.